You're listening to Leadership on the Ground, Season 2. Leadership on the Ground in real time. Learning, recognizing, and knowing what is needed is not enough in business today. Leaders need to be able to apply their skills on the ground and in real time to make a meaningful impact. This series is brought to you by the international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor, your source and reference for achieving breakthrough performance and productivity. Leading yourself, leading teams, and leading organizations. And now, here are your hosts, Todd Schnick and Erica Peetler. All right. Good morning and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Erica Peetler, who's going to probably be holding me accountable today. So very important conversation, but good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning. And I am going to hold you accountable today. All right. Well, today's episode is on the accountability conversation. Uh, but before we go there, Erica, remind us what the season of Leadership on the Ground is all about. Why does leadership in real time matter? Yeah, so leadership on the ground. Let's just make sure we understand that piece first, right? Leadership is a skilled profession, and it's all about our behaviors. That's actually what shows up on the ground every day, our behaviors. In our Leadership on the Ground series, we've been talking about the importance of becoming a consciously competent leader, which means we know what we are doing, we know how to do it, and we know why we're doing it, because as leaders, we're asked to build the talent bench. So to do this, we need to be consciously competent. Now, why is that important? If we don't have conscious discipline and positively practice our leadership skills on the ground, we're not going to positively influence performance and productivity. And this is what we're looking for. In season two, we're raising the bar here and we're asking our listeners to not just cross that knowing doing gap and put their leadership skills on the ground, but to do it at the speed of business. And the speed of business is in real time, proximal to events and proximal to entry points. Yeah, this has been a great series so far, Erica. It has been uh, mind-opening, let me tell you that. Today's conversation is going to be really important about the accountability conversation. But before we get into what that tool is, it shouldn't be, but why is accountability so hard? Yeah, great question. I mean, accountability is still the holy grail in most organizations. It tends to be the area that people struggle with most. Last week, we were talking a little bit about the concept of peer-to-peer accountability and calling out unproductive behaviors and how challenging that is. But there are two reasons why I believe accountability is so challenging based on the work that I've done in organizations as a leadership performance coach. The first is that leaders actually mistakenly believe that accountability is all about their employee and their direct report. And it's actually all about them. <laughs> you right. know? So so first we have a misunderstanding. And, and why is it all about them? Why is the you know, challenge with accountability all about the leader? It's all about the leader because we mistakenly believe that holding accountability is what we're after, when in actuality, that's an output of things that we have to do in sequence before that to really achieve accountability. So we are in charge of inputs and we're in charge of throughputs. And that gives us permission to have an expectation around an output. The input, we have to be able to set expectations. I mean, simple as that. How challenging is that, though, in the world that you live in? It's extraordinarily challenging. Yeah. Most people, one, either don't realize that that's their job to do or they do it poorly. And we're going to talk about how we can help people with that in the accountability conversation. But the first input is, are you doing your job as a leader and are you clearly articulating the expectations that you have? But our job doesn't end there. And in fact, most of us, unfortunately, walk away there. So we set the expectations. 
we delegate and dash out the door, and then we expect the accountability to be held, really walking away from the throughput and our fundamental job, which is coaching for performance. Because accountability is a partnership between that individual that we're empowering to do something and our ability to coach and develop them. So fundamentally, it's about us, and we have to manage setting expectations, coaching for performance to even have the output of holding people accountable. Well, it's one of those things in business, Erica, that I think if you were to ask 10 people to define accountability, you'd get 10 different answers. And that's part of the problem. I've always looked at it as, all right, well, I'm expecting John Smith to get this done and I'm going to hold him accountable, which which is more of a, a punishing approach to it. And when I've heard you talk about this really more as a negotiation. Yeah. And I love the fact that you brought that word into it because it really is a negotiation. You know, fundamentally having an accountability conversation, which we'll talk about, that is a negotiation because accountability has to be given and taken. It has to be received and given. So it's a negotiation. And what's unfortunate is that Most people will just take something that's an edict or something coming down on from high and not really have the negotiation or not realize their personal power in that negotiation to really ask some critical questions and to explore some of the fundamentals to really make sure that they can, in fact, deliver on that accountability that's being asked about. Well, gosh, I'm just sitting here thinking as I heard you talking there that, boy, when you think about things like entry points <laughs> and calling out unproductive behaviors and intention and impact. And, and you just said a minute ago, personal power. Boy, now you realize how critically important those pieces are into in terms of bringing it into the accountability conversation. You, you can't do it without those. Not, you know, and, and what I love about this series, right, you know, we're talking about leadership on the ground and we're talking about it in real time. And the reason this is called an accountability conversation is because it happens in real time, right? You know, we're moving through the space, having these conversations all the time. We're mostly unconscious about them. And everything that we've been talking about, Todd, in season one and in season two, these are Lego pieces. So we're really realizing, you know, how do they build together? How do they interchange? And I think that we've created season two here in real time to be able to fundamentally build on each other and really sequence appropriately, right? So I go back to one of the fundamentals of uh, season one. There's a sequence here for you to be able to get to the table at this point and have the accountability conversation. Yeah, you need to understand what an entry point is, how to leverage your personal power, how to call out an unproductive behavior, because an unproductive behavior could be called delegating and dumping, right? That's an unproductive behavior. Or not appropriately setting those uh, expectations and coaching for performance, that's an unproductive behavior. So this accountability tool, I'm excited about sharing with everyone today because I know from experience, I've seen it with my clients. When you get the gist of how this works, it's simple. It's not brain surgery. But if you follow the steps and you really work through it, it can really be a game changer in terms of performance and productivity. Absolutely. All right. When we come back from the break, Erica is going to walk us through the accountability conversation model. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the new international bestselling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. 
Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpetler.com. All right, Todd Schnick here with Erica Petler. And as promised, we're now going to dive into this three-step model that is the accountability conversation. So Erica, lead us off. Step one, clarifying the expectations. Yeah, step one of the three-step process, you know, starting right back on what's on our plate as a leader, clarifying expectations. So a couple of things we got to be mindful of. What are we asking someone to do? Let's be really clear about that. And if you're on the other side of that, someone's asking you to do something, the first thing you want to be able to say is, all right, so let's have an accountability conversation around this. What is the expectation? Is there flexibility in the scope of what you're asking me to do? I mean, do you need a memo or do you need a 50-point PowerPoint slide? Do you need a white paper? You know, what's the timing? Is there flexibility around that? You know, you might say, hey, I need this by Tuesday. If I'm having an accountability conversation, this is a negotiation, I might say, hey, listen, Tuesday is tight. If I got this to you by Wednesday, could that work? 95% of the time, that's going to happen favorably. If it doesn't, what do we do? Okay, Wednesday won't work. I need it by Tuesday. Okay, fair enough. Let's talk about other priorities we might be able to shift around to accommodate that, right? So it's an ongoing negotiation. And you have to really make sure, Todd, you don't leave the clarifying expectations without a separation between what's wanted and what's needed. Right. Let's go back to the concept of in real time, we're really trying to maximize our blue dollars. We're trying to maximize performance and productivity. If we don't have clarity here and we don't, you know, explore this a little bit, someone may need something very, very simple, but they may want something very extravagant. So we have to negotiate for what do they really need to be able to make the decision or move forward versus, you know, what might they want to indulge in or really waste perhaps some blue dollars pursuing that's not going to be a good return on their investment. Well, gosh, now I'm thinking back to our conversation in episode five about who do you serve? And we talked about the idea of serving the master and providing them what they need versus what they want. Now that begins to take on a whole new meaning here in the context of of the accountability conversation. Absolutely. And that's a great link. That's a really great link. And look, you got to be able to have the personal power. You got to be able to stand your ground, have some veritas and gravitas and say, hey, I think this is what you really need. Are you open to that so that we can help them? You know, don't think that the leaders have all the answers or that, you know, even the leader understands what it is they're asking for. I can tell you, and I'm sure you've had experience, people actually don't even know half the time what they're asking for, which is why this accountability conversation is so powerful. I mean, you could do it in five minutes and probably save, you know, 10 hours of wasted time. Well, I'm just thinking about my own experience, and I realize now that very rarely have I gotten out of step one. I mean, I I bet you that's a common problem. (laughs) That is such a common problem. In fact, I ask people where they mostly get stuck, and most people get stuck there, and that's probably the easiest part of the whole thing. But you can't build on, on the accountability conversation without achieving step one. So let's dive into step two now, roles and resources. Yeah, so this is like the absence step. This is the step everybody forgets about, everybody just assumes. So let's say we clarify the expectation. I understand what you're asking of me, and we've kind of negotiated on a date. Now, I'm going to ask the question, and and most people don't, but this is the most critical question to really uh, linking into accountability, and that is, so what is my role in getting this work done? Like, am I on point for it? Am I going to assist with it? What other resources are available to me? If there are other resources, I may have to run some financial documents. I may need to talk to some of the folks in sales or marketing. Do these resources know 
that this is a request that I need to accommodate? Have those resources been told? And do those resources have the time and the bandwidth to engage in this project with me? Because often we just assume that resources are free, right? These are those blue dollars that are just out there, just work that out. When in actuality, as a leader, it's our job to set the stage in terms of role clarity and resources. And that's a step that we often skip and we don't appreciate. And that's where things really run off the rails and we can do a much better job of saving people time and uh, energy with. Well, I can imagine a scenario where the two people negotiating, you to use your word, may, may actually be on point and maybe there's clarity there and they understand, what, but the resources that are necessary to get the job done they have not been communicated with. There's just an assumption there. I imagine that's another common place where people get tripped up. It is. It is. And, you know, it's a great point. So the leader has to own that, right? So the leader, if, if you're my direct report and I'm asking you to do something and I want you to maybe tap into some financial resources. So I got to connect with my peer on that financial side of the equation and say, hey, listen, I'm asking Todd to do this. Do you have some resources that he can tap into so that we can get this done? This is what's happening. So I'm negotiating and and kind of working with my peer to also make sure that I'm aligning and you have the resources that you need. So I may ask you, hey, you know, Todd, why don't you check in with Joe, see if he has the bandwidth to handle it. If not, call me and I'll, you know, take it up with my peer. But one of those two conversations have to happen. And it's really critical. You can't get out of phase two here or step two of the accountability conversation without having a serious look at the roles and the resources. Well, and all constituents need to be involved in in the negotiation, right? I mean, you just can't assume again that the resources, and I'm using air quotes there, they have to be part of this, yes? They got to be a part of it. And look, you know, we can't do everything. So when the accountability conversation is being had, we have two uh, levers that we can push. The first one was, hey, let's make sure that we're doing what we need and not necessarily what we want. So let's try to get what we put on the ground here in real time as quickly as possible. The other thing is, let's use prioritization and staging, right? We could stage and sequence things. Not everything is an emergency. Not everything has to be done at the same time. And yeah, the job of the leader is to facilitate the progress of cross-functional resources and make sure that we are reprioritizing in real time to get the work done that needs to get done at the right time. And there's always more to do than we can ever really handle. But having that conversation and being clear about it you know, starts to decrease the stress in the system. It provides structure to the system and it provides a little bit of uh, stability to the system. Yeah. And I'm thinking now about the definition of what a CEO is. And and that person's job is to really do two things, communicate the vision of where we're going and providing the team the resources to get there. Exactly. So, you know, whether you're the CEO, whether you're a team leader, right, you know, first two steps of this process are you got to be clear or get clear in that conversation and negotiation around your expectations. And you have to be willing to have that discussion around role clarity and the resources. All right. Let's go to step three, mutually understood and agreed upon deliverables. Yeah, that's a mouthful, right? You know, and and some there's some as I hear you say that, right? There's some powerful words in that. So mutually agreed, right? You know, that's that win-win piece on the negotiation. Mutually agreed upon deliverables because look, this is where clarity now meets closure, right? We have to make sure that the expectations and the resources are sufficient and the individual that you're asking to move forward here can commit to it, right? They can commit to the deliverable. If they say, yes, I understand what you're asking of me, I can commit to this deliverable, then accountability is given and taken and you have a lock, right? You have a target, you have a match. Now, my job in part after I've now helped you secure resources is, 
you know, I'm probably going to do some coaching and say, you know, how should I be checking in with you on this? Come to me if you have any problems. Let's make sure that we stay connected. And if you need something from me, don't hesitate to come back and renegotiate if you need to, right? If the conditions or the dynamics change. Well, that's where I wanted to go next. The dynamics are probably going to change. There's something's going to happen. Resources will dry up. There will be a market force that will impact things. How do you keep this thing going should the dynamics change and there be a big change in what you agreed upon? Yeah, I mean, you got to stay close to it, number one. And and you have to be, you know, <laughs> I ask this question when I'm doing a workshop and I'm helping people understand the accountability conversation. I ask the group the question, if you need to renegotiate, right, and the accountability conversation needs to have a renegotiation, when do you do it? And the joke is, well, you don't do it when the deliverable is due, right? <laughs> you right. know, so I think the the wisdom in the question here is, hey, there are market forces, there are dynamics that, you know, stuff happens. So we have to be mindful of that. And if we see a condition changing that's going to derail or require a renegotiation of the accountability conversation, let's call it as quickly as we can. Let's call it in real time, as soon as we know it. And let's put on the ground a renegotiated accountability conversation as soon as we realize that. I think that fluidity, that dynamic interface is the context of let's make this happen in real time. And it shouldn't always change, but if it needs to change, let's be open to that. All right. Well, I get this model. So step one, clarifying expectations. Step two, understanding the roles and resources. And step three, mutually agreed upon deliverables. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's harder than, than, it, than it might sound, but it is a simple model. And, and that's, that's intriguing. But is there anything else we should be watching out for? The biggest thing that I see is when you go through this and you see people's eyes open up and they go, oh gosh, you know, I wasn't doing this and I can see how I wasn't doing that. And, you know, they start to really understand where their gaps have been. So it really does become this effective tool for, again, eliminating stress in the system and, and providing some structure. But here's the common watch out. And here's the mistake that I see a lot of people make. It becomes a label that we use. We say, hey, Todd, let's have the accountability conversation, which then results in us just kind of having a conversation partially. We may talk about expectations. We may not thoroughly have that role and resource piece, or we may not really talk about needs and wants. And we kind of casually get a little sloppy as we go through it. But because we said, let's have the accountability conversation, you know, we think that we went through the three steps. The watch out is go through the steps, go through the three steps, take that five to 10 minutes of locking in the accountability, you will be so much better served and you will be able to so much better serve if you're able to do that. Because the watch out that I have is people will just quickly say that uh, they're doing it, they won't do it thoroughly. And I think there's a real opportunity to following those steps. So the accountability conversation, you can have that holy grail. This is a way to touch it, feel it and live with it. And if you follow those three steps, I'm sure it's going to be a game changer in your uh, team and organization. That I have no doubt. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. We'll be back next week to hunt for pink elephants. You won't want to miss that. That'll be the close of season two. So on behalf of myself, my co-host, Eric Kapitler, that's it for this episode. Season two of Leadership on the Ground in Real Time will return next week. We'll see you then. 